With several central banks around the world already entering their pause phase, and with at least one report suggesting the Federal Reserve was very close to doing the same last month amidst all of that banking and monetary turmoil, it's fair to turn our attention, in fact, it's prudent to turn our attention to the impending rate cuts because markets are absolutely certain that they're going to happen and they're absolutely certain they're going to happen sooner rather than later. But is that a realistic expectation, at least according to the perspective of policymakers? Now, of course, policymakers themselves currently say, no, we have no intention of cutting rates. But what about at various points in the past? What can we learn by examining history of Fed pivots, what that might tell us about this so-called Fed reaction function? How, how sensitive do policymakers need to become to the various risks that they see in each economy? Inflation in particular versus, we won't call it deflation because they'll refuse to call it that, but economic weakness. What can, what can we learn by examining the past? And when we go back to the, some of these episodes in the past, what you find is there are varying degrees of the Fed's reaction functions. Let's start with 1989. This is July, this is June and July of 1989, when quite similar to today, they got a background of banking crisis, the SNL crisis that was burning under the surface. We've got weakening reports in an economy that the economy that was back then much better than it is today. At the same time, policymakers were very much afraid of a tight labor market leading to a reignition of the great inflation. Remember, 1989, that wasn't that far away from the 1970s great inflation. And those fears were always in the background because policymakers didn't understand inflation. They don't today. So in July 26, 1989, our hero, the maestro, Alan Greenspan, was conducting a conference call after getting some concerning economic data. And on that conference call, they were, they were prepared to vote for, here's what he said, on the issue of monetary policy, as a result of data we have just gotten recently, which I'll mention in a moment, and I'll mention what he was mentioning, the desk has been instructed to lower the borrowing requirement from 600 million to 500 million, 550 million, which is equivalent to moving the Fed funds rate from around nine and a quarter to 9.938 down to 9.0 to nine and one eighth percent area. Now, the way in which the Fed conducted its interest rate policy, we'll call it monetary policy, but an interest rate policy back then was a little bit different. But essentially what the Fed was voting for was to rejigger their mechanism in order to get the federal funds rate to go down into this new target range, which was down around, it was about a quarter percent less or an eighth of percent less than it had been. Now, what's interesting about that is, is that this was July 1989. The Fed had already voted to do much the same just a, a month earlier in June, when the month before that in May, the Fed had been had voted to raise the Fed funds rate, or at least to change their borrowing requirements to let the federal funds rate rise. So in a matter of just weeks, the Federal Reserve went from sort of hiking rates to then cutting rates. But what was it that they were thinking about? What was it they were reacting to? A lot of stuff that sounds familiar today, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. And happy Easter to everyone who celebrates Easter out there. 
Um, if you're interested, URL University memberships available, background details, money, how it really works, what the Federal Reserve actually does, what it doesn't do, what the monetary system looks like, memberships available for you at Eurodollar.University, as well as research subscriptions, a daily briefing I do in partnership with MarketsInsiderPro.com. There's a research bundle there, a couple other terrific researchers you should check out, and a daily deep dive analysis where I dive deep into these topics, especially historical background stuff, the implications of money curves, what they're telling us about the current situation, and what that means for the near-term future and the long-term future for that matter. Information, all of that available, eurodollar.university. We're gonna go back to 1989, as we just did, already started with 1989. Again, we got, we got in June 89, which was the May 1989, 1989 payroll report, which was at the time really weak. It was, uh, I don't wanna say shockingly weak, but they were not expecting that because they had they had believed that inflation was the greatest great inflation number two was the greatest risk to the economy that's why they had been hiking rates up until that point to try to recreate the magic of paul volcker and then suddenly wages uh, wage growth slowed way down the payroll report came in really weak and suddenly alan greenspan and his mary prue were more worried about maybe we went too far maybe the economy's much too weak um, several policymakers said this wasn't us, this wasn't rate hike, this is just natural economic declines for other reasons, which that was probably closer to the truth. But either way, there was two camps here. The, the policymakers were split. There were those who believed that the U.S. was experiencing a labor shortage in 1989. Among them was a guy by the name of Bob Black who said this, well, I question whether to interpret this weak payroll number as a sign of weak demand when employment rose so slowly. I'm wondering if it wasn't a matter of difficulty in finding people. Hmm, where have we heard this before? Given such a high level of employment, high participation rates, which we don't have today, and a relatively low level of unemployment. So there was always those who Phillips curve, Phillips curve, Phillips curve, tight labor market, inflation is our greatest risk. We should be hiking rates even further. On the other side of that, I'm going to fast forward to July of 1989. This is at a conference call after the Federal Reserve got some non-public information. They got the, they got essentially the jobless claims data as well as I think the ISM PMI before the before these were open to the public because yes, policymakers do get let in on data before it's released to the general public. Here's Greenspan again. The initial claims data show a rather sharp increase for the week end of July 15th to the highest level in a year to 18 months. Secondly, and more importantly, information that will be coming out on the purchasing manager survey, which must be kept confidential until it is released, and it's very crucial that it be kept confidential, sure, is likely to show a significant weakening in new orders. Very similar. In fact, their early estimates suggest that the change in new orders which is the measure they seasonally adjust, is likely to be the lowest since 1982. There is no evidence in the report, as best I can judge, that suggests the softening is accelerating in a material way, but there is clear evidence that the economy continues to weaken. So that's the other side. We got the labor shortage, tight labor market over here, inflation is the risk, and over here we've got nothing more than the ISM new orders, jobless claims, a little deceleration in wages, and what did policymakers do? Well, they chose to, as I said in the opening, 
to lower interest rates, even though it was mere weeks after they had been raising interest rates, because there was one other factor they were also considering. Remember, I already mentioned the SNL crisis. Uh, in July, early July 1989, at the, at the FOMC meeting, the regular FOMC meeting, they also had to consider this other factor. This is from Governor Lawyer. We have these huge amounts of corporate debt, some of which is based on a very skinny coverage of debt service. We have junk bonds being a significant investment in a number of pension funds. A number of banks are supporting the short-term credits involved here. And we have a lot of SNLs with a lot of that junk paper as well. So a significant turndown in the economy could cause all that to get out of whack and have a ripple effect throughout the whole financial system that I think could be very severe. A lot of that debt is really based on continued growth at current or immediately past levels, rather than on the kind of growth that we're talking about, which I suspect may be a real disappointment. So in, in terms of Lawyer's uh, perspective, even a minor slowdown could be a potential problem. So Greenspan had policymakers basically on both sides of the fence, those arguing unemployment rate, tight labor market, more inflation, others who saying, nothing more than a mere slowdown which could potentially become a financial issue which it did by the way because we had the snl crisis really erupt in the following year and as i said no spoiler needed here the fed chose the uh, the other they chose weak economy they chose to try to deal with the weak economy by letting the federal funds rate go lower and lower so starting in let's see um the middle of 1989, the, the federal funds rate was around 9 and, and what was that, uh, 15 sixteenths or 13 sixteenths to around 8 and a quarter by the end of the year. So they dropped the, they let the federal funds rate go down by about 1.5 or so percent, 1.6%, not quite, um, in, a, in a matter of months because they were concerned the economy is slowing too much. And that might have too much of an impact on credit perceptions, especially in junk bonds. Then early part of 1990, they kind of they said, well, the economy's doing okay. But then suddenly in the middle of 1990, recession. Once the recession of 1990 started in July, the Fed responded with one quick 25 basis point rate cut and then sat on their hands until later on uh, in October of 1990, before it finally became absolutely clear that this was a recession, then the, the uh, extra rate cuts started. So from October of 1990, the federal funds, which was more of a target by then, went from eight down to six by the end of the recession in March 1991. So three or two percentage points of rate cuts in a matter of months there. So when the Fed decides that economic weakness is indeed uh, the bigger risk to the economy, at least in this case, they've shown a willingness to cut rates relatively quickly. Let's go fast forward to the dot-com recession. Now, the dot-com recession was also unique in that it included a stock market bust. Uh, the dot-com bubble had burst in early 2000 and was causing all sorts of economic problems and disruptions. But among policymakers, there's always that ghost of 1929 in the back of their head, even though there's no reason to mix up stocks in the monetary system because that stuff ended in the 1930s. But either way, they were concerned about deflation. So the last rate hike came in May of 2000. The Fed then tried to talk itself in the same way as 1989 
that the risks were still inflationary. There was a tight labor market. They talked about a labor shortage because there's always a labor shortage at the Federal Reserve, if not, if not exactly in the real economy. So we had the federal funds target at that time at six and a half percent. And then um, less than six months later, just a little bit over six months later, right at the start of January 2001, rate cuts. And so from January 2001 until November 2001, so you have 11 months there approximately, the Fed cut its federal funds target rate by 4.5%, 450 basis points, largely because they were afraid of the combination of economic weakness and the stock market downturn. Plus, there was also the events of September 11th in there, which influenced their decisions as well. So when they are concerned about the downside in terms of the economy, for whatever additional factors, they do cut rates rather rapidly. Let's fast forward to the next business cycle, which is one of the unique ones because there was a pretty, uh, pretty lengthy period of time between the final rate hike in June of 2006 and the initial rate cut, which didn't start until September of 2007. Back then, remember, subprime was contained. The Fed was still, again, more worried about the tight labor market, the resilience in the economy, than all that nonsense about subprime mortgages and all that. And it wasn't until the crisis actually erupted and began playing havoc in all of these monetary system, uh, monetary system all these various different money markets or parts of money markets that are actually different money markets, that they finally said, hey, we need to actually cut rates. So. September of 2007, they cut the federal funds target by 50 basis points. There was another 25 basis point rate cut in October. December, another 25 basis point rate cut. So no matter a couple months, there's 1% there. But then January 2008, it really accelerated. And in a period of less than two weeks, the FOMC got together and said, this stuff is really starting to go wrong. They cut the federal funds target by 125 basis points in just those less than that, that less than two week period. Then there was another 75 basis point rate cut immediately after Bear Stearns. So that between September 2007 and March of 2008, we got three full percentage points in uh, rate cuts from the Federal Reserve. Again, a matter, a matter of about six months there. So when the Fed, again, when they think the downside is far and away because it's because it is, because reality is smacking them in the face, when they think the downside is far and away the greater risk than inflation and the tight labor market, that they're always convinced will hold everything together and everything up, they do react fast and furiously. Their reaction function is therefore a product of that combination. The how much they're willing to keep their heads in the sand about labor shortages and tight labor markets and the unemployment rate versus the data which more and more along the way tells them that the economy is not holding up regardless of the of the unemployment rate along with as i mentioned and i think this is a key part here both 1989 you had the snl junk bonds that kind of stuff they're concerned about that in 2000, you had the dot-com bust. You had stocks that were going lower and paying more and more. The prospect, at least in officials' mind, over deflation. And of course, in 2007, 2008, that whole, the whole mortgage crisis that wasn't really a mortgage crisis. So when you have these additional factors combined with economic weakness that has becomes undeniable, 
the Fed responds relatively quickly because of course they would. Because in those situations, the balance of risk, even amongst these people who are always predisposed to think inflation and unemployment, it has to tilt the other way. The Fed's reaction function is always predisposed to inflation fighting when there is, whether there is or isn't inflation, but it can move very quickly out of that so that the Fed reaction function becomes more about economic weakness and financial disruption, the potential for financial disruption combined with economic weakness. That should sound familiar. In fact, this all should sound very familiar. Even though policymakers have tried to convince you, me, and everyone else, the Fed reaction function over the last couple of years, and including this year and into next year, is 100% solid focused on inflation. When we know inflation in the tight labor market, when we know we're relatively certain, according to that Wall Street Journal report, that last month the Fed reaction function swung all the way in the other direction already. So we've seen financial disruptions, economic weakness. The more we get of economic weakness, the more prospects for financial dysfunction. We do get a quick swing in the Fed reaction function so that rate cuts, they begin relatively soon and they can come fast and furious, which by the way, is exactly what the markets are pricing. Even today, where we have a bit of a backup in, in the markets, and today is Friday, April 7th, what they're saying is, you know, normal swings and fluctuations in the marketplace. But either way, markets are pricing. They're pricing for a quick shift to rate cuts and then a rapid series of them once they happen. And this is not at all out of line with economic and Federal Reserve history. In fact, it is perfectly in line with Federal Reserve history because in that history, the Fed usually follows the markets and the economy, not the other way around. As I keep saying, all the pieces are falling into place. And among those pieces, one of the last pieces, several central banks are already into the pause phase with, I gotta believe the Federal Reserve is not far behind. We'll see about the next meeting. Do will they get another rate hike? But either way, the days of rate hikes are incredibly numbered and the rate cuts, not at all, not at all unexpected that they could be like the U-turn, the pivot could be a really quick matter, really quick transition into the other, the complete opposite way, which all of this isn't really about the Fed. It's not really about rate hikes and rate cuts. It's really about the conditions that will force the Fed out of its reaction function tied to inflation and, and labor shortages that all we sees to reality. That's the really the, the stark thing here. The markets are, they see the Fed's reaction function is indeed biased in that direction and are still absolutely certain or as near certain as they can be that it's going to change rapidly anyway. What is it that causes that to happen? Is it the end? Is Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse the end of the crisis? That's not going to get it done. Silicon Valley Bank and Credit Suisse is the beginning of the financial disruptions. That would make sense, along with continued weakness in labor, not labor shortage. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you, Eurodollar University members, our research subscribers, both Eurodollar University as well as Markets Insider Pro. And until next time, take care.